0: Good morning. I greet each one of you this morning in the name of Jesus. Wish all you mothers a happy Mother's Day. I want to honor the mothers today in this message. All the women here at Myerstown Mennonite Church that make church a place that we all enjoy calling home. Uh, I many times and most of us men marvel at the many differences between men and women and it's probably true that we will never totally understand all those differences. One of the a couple examples I could give and one of them is that when when ladies are planning a luncheon or a meal why very high on the top of their list is who's gonna bring the flowers who's gonna do the centerpieces and to us men, that's totally off our radar. We would never, ever even think of that, wouldn't cross our minds. And yet, at the same time, we enjoy flowers and we enjoy the softness that, that you sisters add to uh, events like that. Another example I can give is when, when Marion's trying to explain to me somebody, maybe we're on our way home from church and say, "Did you see certain visitors at church?" And she'll say, "You know, that he had such a color shirt on, or she had a dress such a color, and I'm like, "What?" And I'll say, "Where were they?" You know, in the back of the church, the front of the church, were they big? Were they little?" <laughs> you know, men are all about north and south and east and west, and we don't want to get lost in the woods and that that's how we think and at least I do and I don't think in uh, thinking in colors and that type of thing so there's just lots and lots of of differences but we all of us men appreciate how a lady can turn a house into a home uh, they they do that and we we men don't have that that gift and, and that ability the Bible has a lot to say about men and women. Uh, I was thinking about this since the past few weeks and just think, reflecting on what all the Bible has to say about men and women. And, and uh, the Bible is, is uh, it just like the Apostle Paul says, we're to speak the truth in love. And the Bible has about men and women, uh, I can say the good, the bad, and the ugly... It just lays it out, and, and uh, we want to look at, at some of that this morning. And we want to honor the mothers uh, among us. You know the the account in, well, let's turn to it, Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew 26, and this is just leading up to my message title this morning, there's an account in Matthew 26 where Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, comes and anoints the head of Jesus. And so Matthew 26, verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? Now, I, I can't think of a better place to go in the Bible to contrast the difference between men and women. Here Mary is loving on Jesus, and the men are there like, what are you doing? How wasteful is this? And it's just the, the difference between men and women and the way, the way we think. And in uh, verse 10, it says, or verse 9 maybe, when... The, for this ointment, the men are saying, for this ointment could have been sold for much and given to the poor. In verse 10, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but, ye, but me you have not always. For in that she poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And now catch verse 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And so Jesus says this is, this is going to be a memorial for, for Mary. And down through the years, this story has been told over and over and over again how Mary loved on Jesus. And sad to say, along with the story goes the fact that the disciples were uh, not so happy about it, and felt like it was a waste. Well, this morning uh, we're going to go to another memorial where a woman was memorialized in my mind, and it's it's kind of hidden in the scriptures, and it's it's I believe uh, a really neat thing, and. It's my message title this morning. So let's go to Romans, the book of Romans, in the very last chapter. Romans chapter 16. In Romans 16, we have a chapter that is full of greetings to the saints at Rome. Paul is uh, sending his greetings to the church at Rome, and he's, you read through the chapter, and it's, Salute this person, say hi to this person throughout the whole chapter. And a good illustration of that is in verses 3 and 4. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And then in the following verses, greet this person, greet that person. Now, we come to verse 13, and it's it's where I get my message title from this morning. And my message title is, Like a Mother to Me. Like a mother to me. In verse 13, Paul says, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Now, in the King James, the, the message title is kind of hidden in there. In some other translations, they actually read like this. uh, Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who was also like a mother to me. So, message title, Like a Mother to Me. And here, this is kind of like a memorial to the mother of Rufus. And we're not sure. We're going to do some assuming this morning why Paul said this, but he obviously knew her well and had spent time in their home and, and uh, that he was able to memorialize her, if you will, and say, she was like a mother to me. And sometimes we hear that phrase. Uh, we hear people say of a, of a man, he was like a father to me, or she was like a mother to me. And that's what, I, that's what we want to think about this morning. And I want to hold that up as something that... Uh, you mothers can you have within you in your motherliness the ability to be like a mother not to your, only to your own children but also to others religion binds the hearts of all who embrace it tenderly together and you remember back in, in Matthew chapter 12 I believe it is the, the account tells us how Jesus was in, in the house and he was uh, speaking and the house is just crowded with people. And his mother and the brothers of Jesus were concerned about him. They thought uh, he's, he's just doing way too much. He's, uh, he's out there and he's doing ministry and, and they, they went to bring him home and to, to uh, call him to account for everything he was doing. And so they're at the outside of the house, and somebody came into Jesus and said, Behold, your mother and your brothers stand outside, and they'd, they'd like to speak to you. And Jesus said, My mother and my, and my brothers. And he looked out over the people he was speaking to, and he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. And so bringing, uh, making it very real and vivid to us that in Christianity... Uh, we are a family, and we are brothers to each other, and those of you who are mothers, those of you who are ladies, have the ability to be mothers to more than your own children. And what a, what a wonderful thing that Paul could say here about the mother of uh, Rufus. I can't think of a, of a nicer thing that anybody could say about a woman than to say, you know, she was like a mother to me. I just think, think of what went into that. That didn't happen overnight. And uh, I, I believe that there are many of you here this morning that maybe have neighbor children, uh, nieces, nephews, that, will, that could say the same thing. You know, she's like a mother to me. And I just want to uh, lift that up this morning and, and have that as, a, as something for you ladies to strive for. To do a good job of mothering your own children and to live such a life that others could make a comment about you like Paul made about uh, the mother of, of Rufus. What, who was this woman, and why did Paul say this about her? Uh, evidence in the Bible points to the fact that she was most likely, we can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, but she was most likely, uh, You, most Bible uh, scholars uh, agree on this. If you go to Mark 15, 21, we need not go there. I'll read the verse. But the verse says, And they compelled one Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And so Simon, who bore the cross of Jesus, was the father of Alexander and Rufus, and was the husband of this woman, who Paul, some probably 50 years later, said, you know, she was like a mother to me. Paul, the apostle Paul, was not at the crucifixion. And apparently, Simon was no longer living when Paul says, because he, he didn't greet him. But obviously, Paul had spent time with, uh, with the wife of, of Simon and made this uh, statement about her. She was like a mother to me. Let's think about what the Bible has to say about women briefly, and then we'll come back to thinking about what may po- what this lady may have possibly done. And it's kind of interesting; the lady's is never mentioned. She's just the wife of Simon. She's the mother of, of Rufus. And I had to think you know that it often works that way uh, women are wonderful servants and do a good job of serving and and so often it's like Lester's wife or somebody's wife, Leon's wife and here we have in, in the Bible we have uh, the, the mother of Rufus, the wife of, of Simon and we're not given a name but let's go in our Bibles. let's go back to Genesis to chapter 1, and think a little bit about women. First of all, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. And like I said in my introduction, there's a difference between men and women. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There is a difference. There are male and female. And... We have the masculine and the feminine characteristics blended together uh, to make the complete image of God. And I didn't look back in my notes, but I think I talked about this here at Myerstown. If not here, I did someplace. I wasn't sure. But I think it's really neat how uh, the Bible's so clear that mankind is made in the image of God. And yet, in, in men, in the masculine, do not portray uh, in totality the character of God. It's it's the blend between the feminine and the masculine that accurately portray the character of God. Women can't do it by themselves and neither can men. It takes the masculine and the feminine to do it. And so, uh, that's, that's where we really see God, in both of them. So in a church setting with only men or with only women, we're really lacking something. It's, it's where uh, they both blend together, and we can see and understand much better the character of God. Now, I want to take a, a, a brief look this morning. We're focusing on women. It's Mother's Day. And let's go to chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And we know the story. And here we have Eve. And she is being beguiled by the serpent. The serpent is... uh, persuading her to partake of the forbidden fruit that uh, God had clearly told her and Adam that they were not to partake of. And what I see in, in, in the feminine character of Eve is that she was very believing, very trusting, and perhaps very gullible. And she was like, Yeah, this sounds reasonable. This sounds like, yeah, you know, uh, why not? You come down to verse 6, and it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And so here we have Eve uh, believing the serpent and taking of the fruit and... And eating of it. And we have sin uh, entering into, or mankind falling into sin. And the rest of the verse, verse 6, the very end of the verse says, And she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, one thing that us men know is that it's, it's always good to eat what our wife puts on the table. And I, I can see. And I don't want to make light of this. It's a, it's a tragic thing that happened. But I can see how this happened. Men, we desperately want to please our wives. We don't want to disappoint them. We want to please them. And, and uh, Eve falls and she, she says to Adam here. And he's like, yeah, he, he takes, it, takes it also. And this is the, if you will, this is the, the ugly in, uh, here we have in, in Genesis sin entering into the world. Now let's go to First Timothy, where the Apostle Paul talks about this. In First Timothy chapter two, First Timothy chapter two verses nine through fifteen. And I'd like to read these verses and make a few comments on them. First Timothy two. 9 through 15. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first... For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. I'd like to draw three points out out of these verses. And in verse 14... We have uh, the Apostle Paul presenting the truth. He's not condemning, he's simply saying, These are the facts. This is what happened back in the Garden of Eden. First of all, I'd like to to comment on verses 9 and 10. And simply like to say this Ladies, you are beautiful the way God made you. We all know that uh, there's, when we think of femininity, we think of ladies. We think of pretty. We think of beautiful. We think of soft. We think of uh, all the things that that go along with uh, with being feminine. We think of flowers. Uh, they go hand in hand. God made you all that way, and it it portrays the character of God, part of the character of God, and God knows what He's doing, and. You should embrace that, and it's why, when you're planning a meal, you think you can't eat a meal without flowers because it's just who you are. It's part of uh, of your character. It's part of of being feminine. and you should should embrace that at the same time, when I when you look at the verses here, especially verse nine, where oh, in verse eight, I should have read that also if I didn't. Uh, it's where Paul instructs the men that they are to be holy, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, to be holy. And then he comes to verse 9, and he says, the women also are supposed to be holy. And then he tells the women how to be holy. He says, in like manner that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, shamefacedness, and sobriety, not by the broiding of the hair, gold, pearls, or costly array. Marion went out this morning, and she picked the flowers and she arranged them, uh, which I—if I would have arranged it, it would look totally different. She even told me which the that the white flower goes towards the front. There's a front and a back, and I would have had to study it for quite a while, maybe, to figure that out. But she did a good job. She brought them in the house and she put them in this put them in this vase, and she did not. I didn't watch her real close, but I feel pretty confident in saying this. She didn't put any lipstick, any blush, any nail polish, nothing on the flowers. It's the way God made them, and they're beautiful. They are absolutely beautiful. How could you improve upon it? And sisters, God made you beautiful. You can't improve upon it. Don't even try. And the scriptures back it up and say, don't even think about it you are beautiful the way you are the world would have you try would have you believe something else it's not true you cannot approve upon natural beauty and so i stick with the bible and i i believe that there's you cannot improve upon natural beauty holy women are modest and full of good works. I, I believe the Lantern Lodge is closed. I don't know. When I drive by there, it looks like it's closed. But I know over the years of coming to Myerstown, there are different times that on a Sunday morning we would have visitors and they said, Oh, we're staying down at the motel and this was, we wanted to go to a Mennonite church and you're the closest. And, and I don't believe that's happened in a while. But if somebody would walk into Myerstown as visitors from out of the area, wouldn't know much about Anabaptists. I can assure you that one of the first things as they would sit with us and, and worship with us, one of the first things that would cross their minds as they would look around the congregation would be the modesty of the women would be one of the first things they would notice. The women are modest because it's, you don't see it in the world, very little of it. And so that, is, that would just be outstanding they would, would notice that and the, that's what the Bible instructs and, and asks the women to, to be modest. And we men at Myerstown appreciate that and we commend you for it, and we want to we want you to keep dressing modestly. It is biblical and it's it's uh, it goes along with holiness and it's what the Bible uh, it's the way the Bible instructs you too to present yourself the natural tendency is to flaunt your beauty but holiness covers it up and is, is modest verses 14 and 15 what do these verses mean you read these verses and uh, you take you could take it a couple ways I'm going to present Two this morning. And the one is that the uh, man's punishment was he was sent to the fields to work after the fall and in the garden. And the woman, it tells us here, that she's going to experience the pain of childbirth and the daily toil of mothering. That's a woman's role. It's, uh, it's the way God designed it. And you know, the, the dishes and the laundry and all these things, it's, it's a never-ending thing. It is never-ending. It just goes on and on and on. And the, the more children you have in the home, the, the more there is. And it's something that, that never stops. But women have the, the character and the gifts to do a really good job at it. To be very good at it. And it's the assignment that God has given to you all. And don't shy away from it. But embrace it. And and do it as unto the Lord. I also want us to see God's grace in these verses. In verse 14... Paul makes it very clear that it was the woman who who was deceived there in the garden. And then you come to verse 15, and Paul points out that even though the woman was the one who was deceived, God chose a womb to bring the Savior into the world. Do you see the grace of God? He chose a womb. He He could have chosen another way, but he didn't. Can you see God's forgiveness? Can you see his grace towards women? He chose a womb to bring the Savior into the world. He entrusted his son, his only son, to a feminine woman who loved flowers and said, I'll, I'll entrust my son to you to raise him and to nurture him and to care for him. What was it about the mother of Rufus that prompted Paul to memorialize her? We can only assume, and I'm going to do a little bit of that this morning, do a lot of that actually, because it's the only thing we can do. And the first thing I want to assume is that Simon came home, uh, if his wife wasn't with him, she may have been with him, And observed him bearing the cross? Probably not. She was probably home taking care of uh, Rufus and Alexander. And doing the laundry. But Simon comes home. And he says, you'll never believe what I did today. And he relayed the whole story to her. And later, many, many years later, the Apostle Paul is writing the book of Romans. And he's reflecting about the time that he spent with Rufus and Alexander and perhaps stayed in the home uh, with Rufus' mother and, and reflecting on the times that she talked to him about Jesus. My husband bore the cross, and this is what, uh, this is what Simon told me. He told me this, he told me that, and, and uh, relaying all these things to Paul. About what she remembered her husband telling her, and maybe some personal experiences she had living in the same era and time when when Jesus was there. And so she talked spiritual things to Paul. She talked things, she talked of, of the Lord to the Apostle Paul. I believe that she believed in Paul. She probably prayed for Paul, she encouraged him. The same way that a mother mothers her children, she, she used those same things and in a sense mothered Paul. And he, Paul may have been sick and she prepared some tea for him and nursed him back to health with some tea and herbs and what have you. She cared for his physical and spiritual well-being and she was a blessing to Paul. So that many years later when he's greeting the people, the church in Rome, he says, the mother of Rufus was like, also like a mother to me. What a, what a thing to say about this woman. In Galatians 5.22, uh, speaking about the fruit of the Spirit, and as we think about what she may have done that, that prompted Paul to write this, when, you think of, when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, and the, the fruit of the Spirit is to be, to be seen in men and women, don't take me wrong, but I think in many ways the fruit of the Spirit uh, so fits with, with the, the feminine character that women have. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. And I believe that you sisters have the gift of modeling that, if you will, to us men. And we also strive to, to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But I think it's, it's, a, it's more of a fit to the feminine character of women in many of these areas. And so I believe as you apply and as the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your lives, we watch... The sisters in our midst and we see evidence of, of this fruit and, and know how it should be being expressed in our lives as well. I have a few closing comments this morning and then I'm going to, you can prepare for this, women. I'm going to ask the ladies in the congregation who are able and would like to to come front, and Nate is going to lead you in, in two songs. I want you to bring along the the Songs of Faith and Praise book, and so if you have a child in your lap or you're holding one, you can hand, hand her, or him, her or him over to your husband and prepare in a few minutes to come front and, and bless the congregation with some feminine music and singing. Some f- closing comments before that. Mother's you are beautiful like these flowers. But the Bible talks about, and I was, I was tempted, and you could a person could bring a message just simply comparing flowers to women. I didn't do that this morning. But I would like to make a, a few comparisons. And uh, the one is that the Bible says, uh, it actually says this of mankind, but we'll, we'll make it feminine this morning. In Job 14 too, it says, she cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. And so you're here, you're beautiful, you're pretty, but it's not gonna be, it's very long. Life is short, very, very short. So make a difference while you're here. If you're in the midst of mothering, It's for but a short time. Just yesterday, Marion and I, our children were toddlers just yesterday. And now they're middle age. And it goes so fast. It goes so fast. It's amazing. And so, remember, it's for a short time. The Bible says you're here like a flower, but you're going to be cut down very soon. A flower comes up. They're so beautiful, but you can't keep them. And we can't keep you. You're you're going to be here for a short time. So make the best of it. Mother your families in such a way that they're proud to call you their mother. And to all the women here today, God has instilled in you the character of motherliness. Live in a way. Treat others in a way that they would could one day say of you, she was like a mother to me. Another thing, is, as I as I look at these flowers here today, and that is that some of them are just buds, young ladies. You're just buds, young girls. Uh, Uh, Elizabeth Whitmer, she's f- in full bloom. Full bloom. And so there's, there's, there's a difference. This book, in this bouquet, there's a real contrast between buds and full bloom. And the point I want to make is we need you all. You complement each other. Uh, the bouquet does that. And you sisters do that in the congregation. We cherish the young among us, and we cherish the old. You are all pretty in your own way and beautiful in your own way. One last thing, and that is to the children among us this morning, a lot of children. uh, God has given you a gift, and that is the gift of having a godly mother. And so the Bible tells us that we are to honor our parents, to honor our fathers and our mothers. And if you're here this, today as, as a child and you have a godly mother, honor them. You have a treasure that so many in this world would just, they know nothing about. And so you have, you have this treasure and it's a godly mother. Do your best to Honor her uh, every day of your life because you will never regret it and God has truly given you a gift. I'm going to ask the ladies to come front and bring your songbook. Nate will lead you in a few songs and then I will come back and have a closing prayer.